You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Columbus Business First, newest episode of the Women of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Emily Bench, and this podcast features a sit-down chat between me and some of the sharpest and most successful women executives in Columbus. In it, we talk about the professional risks they've taken and the ups and downs of getting to where they are today. With us today on the show is Lacey Picasso, the founder and principal of Zoco Design. Lacey, thanks so much for coming. Thanks so much. Lacey is an award-winning creative and the founder of Zoco Design, a leading brand strategy and user experience design agency, which was also named a 2017 and 18 Best Place to Work by Business First. Through Zoco, she has built a reputation in preparing brands for what's next, identifying opportunities that incite transformation and growth for nonprofits and startups to Fortune Top 50 clients. Lacey is an avid supporter of the creative and startup communities, an experienced speaker and presenter, and a member of the Business First 2016 40 Under 40 class, as well as the Smart Business Smart 50 class of 2017 and the BizTech Awards Outstanding Women in Technology of 2017. That's a lot of awards. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. That's so great. I'm so excited to talk with you because I really feel like, obviously, these awards speak for themselves. You're making great strides in the design and, and tech industry, and so we're excited to have you. Uh, I would love if we could just start of you just kind of giving me a rundown of your resume and where you started yeah. and how that brought you to where you are today. Yeah, sure thing. So my background is as a creative and as a designer. I have a lot of folks in my field who have started studios and agencies. But I think also, like most entrepreneurs, I just kind of didn't find my special spot anywhere I was. Um, I worked for a number of agencies in town, worked in-house for a few different spots. Um, and everywhere I worked, I found that there was like a distinct division between creative and strategy. So even if I worked for an agency that had a great strategy offering or delivered that to clients, tended to be a siloed team, didn't necessarily merge well with creative. And there was just a big disjun disjuncture in how those insights got translated into the creative work. Creative team typically wasn't in user interviews and customer interviews, wasn't part of all the client conversations. And so there just wasn't a great understanding of the problems we were solving to the point where I was building digital experiences for some of the biggest brands in the world and had never even spoke to the client hmm. and would be leading that initiative. And so I felt like there needs to be a better way to merge these two things. Some of the best product companies have very strong capabilities in integrating their team throughout the process to where creative technology, they're brought in at the very beginning 
where that initial problem is defined um, so that they're able to understand the problems that they're solving and the end output's a lot more effective. And if we're seeing that happen in-house and a, and a lot of these innovative companies, why can't we do that in agencies? So that's the reason that I had decided to start off on my own and start Zoco actually six years ago yesterday. Wow. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. It's Thanks like so a little much. anniversary, right? A little celebration. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And actually we relaunched our new website today too. Cool. So it's a good week. So did you always know that you wanted to go into design? Like when were you always creative or what kind yeah. of inspired you to get started in that? Um, I was always creative, but I think, you know, while I've always loved to make things, I've always been looking for why I'm making the thing that I'm making and what problem something might be solving, like to what end am I making this thing? So actually this, my favorite sort of design as a kid was like, you know, when you do like a poster board project as a presentation, you'd like do a book or something and then share with the class. So anytime I could like find ways to present information that help teach people things yeah. or help translate information. So that was always interesting to me and is more the scientific part of design mm -hmm. that I really enjoy. Yeah. And so that was kind of the piece that made it an easy translation, but that's what I went to school for. So. Okay. Yeah. Where did you go to school? I went to Ohio State. Okay. Yeah. To and their so visual communication design program. Awesome. So what, how many different parts of design are there? Like I know when you yeah. say design, it's like a broad term. So just for our <laughs> listeners to understand, like when you say design, so what are you many. referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So for us, um, Zoco's experienced in digital design, primarily for user interfaces, for user experiences. So whether that's websites, web apps, mobile apps, wearables, like anything okay. you experience in a digital format. Brand strategy, so determining what a company's positioning is, how they win, how they share their messaging, creating the visual concepts that help them stand out, not just a logo, but ho more holistically. Mm -hmm. Those are the two areas that we do most of our work. And then just understanding how somebody interacts with a brand, so mapping that customer journey. So I think the word of the last decade is more of a human-centered design approach. And when you think of a design agency, a lot of times it's like the making visuals mm -hmm. sort of side of things. And while that's one part of what we do, mapping the reasoning behind why we are creating what we create and really understanding the business more holistically is probably the most valuable piece of what we do. Yeah. When you started Zoco six years ago now, mm -hmm. That was kind of the goal, right? To be a founder and to start your own company and everything. Yeah. I feel like so many people have that goal. But before that, what were you doing mm -hmm. and what encouraged you to keep working to get yeah. your way to becoming a founder one day? Or yeah. did you know that was always what you wanted to do? It isn't. Um, so like I mentioned, I was working for a number of agencies. Um, the last one that I was working at, I was also freelancing in the evenings okay. and kind of building a client base there. But was getting burnout from being creative that many hours a day. <laughs> so in, in front of a computer that many hours a day because my job in an agency wasn't very client-facing. But so I knew that I wanted to try and build my own book of business. I didn't know what that looked like yet, if it would be a company or if it would just be me as a freelancer. But in order to not have that be all, as all-consuming as it was yeah. at that moment, I took a really random hiatus as a, um, from being a designer and worked as a pharma sales rep. Um, wow. <laughs> super random. Had a friend who told me, you know, I thought you would be good at this. And 
I was interested in it because it gave me an experience into what I assumed I would need if I was building my own business and okay. some sales experience. It is not at all <laughs> relatable at all. Um, it's not related to what I do whatsoever. So but, you wouldn't recommend it? I mean, I wouldn't say that. I think actually what's similar about it in my day-to-day now is from eight to six, I'm almost never at my desk. I'm out and about meeting people, talking to people, trying to diagnose problems, figure out how we can fix them. And then in the evening, I'm back at my desk like doing emails and after uh-huh. my kids go to bed. So it's probably similar to the life I lived then because I was out and about talking to doctors all day yeah. as a sales rep and then um, at night was freelancing back at my computer. So I think that's what's Ooh. similar. So would you recommend like putting in a ton of hours past like the classic nine to five? Like what would you suggest? To build a business? That? Yeah. Oh man, you just do whatever you have to do. I think almost all founders have to, to get things off the ground. Yeah. Not always, like it just depends on your vision. Service-based businesses initially are dependent on the hours you put in. So I think we were able to get off the ground quicker because I've been fine with doing that. Yeah. But I think what made the decision for me while I was freelancing that I wanted to start an agency is I just like having a consistent team. I don't like working just for myself. Mm -hmm. I missed being in an environment where I had a team that I could rely on and talk to and grow from um, and learn from every day. And so after about a year of doing those two things full time, decided like I'm quitting this job. I'm going to continue to build a freelance space with the intent that I'm getting space and I'm going to hire people and we're going to start to build this out together. So you have kids, right? Yeah, I do. How many do you have? I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh, that's so fun. Both little girls. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm one of three girls. So I always love when people have like a ton of girls. I hope I have a ton of girls one day. So for you being a founder and being a mom, I feel like I hear a lot from people who start their own companies, how hard it can be sometimes with, you know, you're with moms and you feel like you're judged a lot, yeah. but if you're at work, you feel like it's hard to leave. Like, how do you feel like you've been able <laughs> to deal with that? And I don't want to say juggle yeah. or balance because like, I even refrain from asking this question a lot because that's yeah. just assuming that the mom's the one that's going to be the caregiver, right. but. Well, I mean, I do have an exceptionally supportive husband. He's also an entrepreneur, um, which gives him a lot of empathy for the things that I'm going through, but he's the one who takes them to school every morning to daycare. We call it tiny school, um, to daycare <laughs> every morning and picks them up. If I go back into work after the kids go to bed many nights, he's totally fine with that and is very understanding. So that helps a lot. I don't think I could have done that and work the hours I do without a very supportive relationship at home. Yeah. So that's been helpful. But as far as like dealing with mom guilt and dealing with work guilt, like that never goes away. It's just like a constantly, you know, a thing that you have to consider and and think through. I think that I'm doing the right thing for my my kids and my family, what I'm doing. But I've definitely made made it a point to surround myself with more women who are in similar uh, life experiences as myself. Um, And not that I don't have plenty of friends who aren't business owners, but um, like there's a group of women that I get together with once a month at 8.30, 9 o'clock for happy hour on like a Tuesday night. And that's such a random time, but like we've just put our kids to bed. um, We can go talk about business, talk about life. And it gives you the support you need and not any of the conversation around like, oh, I'm planning these 12 events at my kid's school and I'm doing this and this and this because when I hear that I do feel really guilty because right. like, I can't do that mm-hmm. there's no way there's not enough hours in the day yeah um, so I think having like a balance of the the types of people that I surround myself with is helpful um, just to get the support I need in the places I might have self-doubt yeah that's great I love that uh, so just backing up a little bit, I know you talked about how putting in a ton of hours really helped Zoco take off, mm-hmm. but was there a moment where things really started to take off for you? 
hiring people. <laughs> um, I've always been kind of selfish in who I hire. And by that, I mean, I hire people for the roles I'm currently doing that I shouldn't be doing or don't want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Anything I can do to help free myself up for the pieces I think I'm uniquely um, benefiting the business with and that give me some positivity, right? Like if you have to turn your computer back on at 10 p.m. or at 4 a.m. or whatever time, like you don't want to be doing something you hate. Otherwise, it's really hard to continue to be motivated across six years to do that whenever need be. And so the first hire we made was an account person, account manager who helped with client communications, but really was, to be honest, kind of a Mm -hmm. catch-all. So helped with all sorts of office administration tasks, operational tasks, helping me find freelancers as we were starting to grow and weren't yet quite ready for a hire. But made that hire and it helped me grow the business quickly enough that we hired two designers probably six months after that. So it was very quick. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as that hire was made, it became easy to make others. And that's been kind of consistent throughout. Yeah. Do you feel like going from being a designer to being a founder, were there a lot of (laughs) learning curves you had to get used to? Like going from designing to hiring out a team and filling that out, like was that a hard transition for you? It was, um, but here's what I'll say about that. I talked to a lot of folks that just come out of design school or have recently left an agency and think are thinking, like, I either want to freelance or I want to start an agency. And I think now it's more possible than ever. They can mm-hmm. find a lot of success at that, so I would never discourage. But I think it's really important to know what you enjoy mm-hmm. doing because even starting out um, hiring one person, like, less than 50% of your role will become design then. Like you're managing another person, you're managing clients, you're managing a sales funnel and contracts and HR and like all sorts of other things. And so you have to find that you really like learning about those things and wanting to help facilitate them. And if you don't, if you just want to be a creative full time, then either freelancing or working for somebody else is probably a better fit. But you don't really know until you try it. So for me... I was really energized by those different problems that we encountered and learning all those other new pieces. I had helped my husband with a startup a couple years prior to starting Zoco, so had a little bit of okay. experience. He's had several businesses, so his thoughts were helpful in getting um, the thoughts and uh, experiences of other people shared with me so willingly over coffee chats was super helpful. Yeah. But yeah, there were a ton of gaps in my knowledge. I didn't go to business school. I had one business class at OSU. Hmm. Best class I took, but I only had one. Thanks, Artie. So there was a lot of room for learning what I didn't know. And to yeah. be honest, like six years in, there are still things mm-hmm. that we learn at, around business as, as time goes on. Yeah. I know you gave a couple pieces of advice, but do you have any other like broad ranging like... Yeah don't do this or do this. Um, Be very open-minded and curious to learn. Columbus is a great community for talking to different people with different perspectives and learning how they've done things, what they've liked, what they didn't like. Because for me, it was like, you don't want to end up in a job that you hate. And we work with a number of growth-based startups and we see people that go through transitions or end up in jobs as founders that they didn't really intend to be doing Mm -hmm. because they have to. Like it's, a gap that needs filled and so you kind of play that catch-all role in the early days but if you're not careful you can end up being in that role long term and so for women who are considering starting their own business I think it's like so possible now it's so so possible we're in such a supportive community if you want to do it and you put in the hard work you'll be successful it's just making sure you don't make yourself miserable Hmm. in the process is what I've seen from some of my peers but I had enough conversations with other women in town who had started businesses to learn like oh like that part of your job sounds really interesting. I want to learn more. Let me talk to more people who do that sort of role. 
um, oh, I didn't know that could work that way. I want to find out additional, like, who could you connect me to who's doing that type of thing? So I think, like, having those conversations with people alleviated some risk to where when I was jumping in, I kind of knew what I wanted, hmm. which was really helpful. How, obviously, you've mentioned, like, you have to be doing something you love and that you feel passionate mm-hmm. about, and that's a really big part of this. But how do you encourage growth in your own career but also the people on your team yeah. without burnout? I think that's such an yeah. interesting question. In our industry, it's an especially interesting question because I think agencies are notorious for overworking folks. Sure. Our team really almost never averages more than 45 hours a week, with the exception of me. Um, <laughs> and maybe two of my leadership team members are also like saying, oh, we might be in the wrong boat sometimes. But as a whole, our team has a great work-life balance. But we definitely make a lot of time intentional for different types of growth. Um, we're a small team. We have 14 people. It's not like we have 12 layers of hierarchy that there's a clear career path of, okay, I achieved this associate role and then this director role and then this VP role. Like that just doesn't exist Mm -hmm. in a small environment. And we're fairly flat too in culture. But as far as like career trajectory, we really try and tailor it to the individual. And we can because we're small. So we find the area somebody wants to grow, wants to succeed more. We help set them up with mentors in the community. Our team internally mentors them. We send them to conferences. Like we sent our entire team down to our intern to um, a Chicago conference last year. And we all stayed in an Airbnb together. And it was a great time. That's so fun. Yeah. So So you find mentors for your employees? Yeah, when possible. Yeah, so wow. those who ask, right? Like yeah. those that, that are having conversations um, and want to learn more about something, then we'll send them to an event or we'll bring somebody in to talk on that topic. Or actually our own team like helps and supports each other. They'll facilitate lunch and learns about like a question other team members have had yeah. in the office and trying to get people on our team involved in different groups in town so they can learn from others yeah. and find that support. So. I feel like a culture like that is so awesome. And I think about companies like Cover My Meds, like where my husband works. Like it's a very similar environment. Mm-hmm. And that's a very new concept. What inspired yeah. you to have a culture like that that's gotten you best places to work for two years? You know, yeah. like what made you want to have a company like that? Because <laughs> it's what I would want, right? And it's um, something I wasn't necessarily always getting. And listen, mm-hmm. the places I worked before were still solid, great places. So I'm not saying that they sure. weren't. They just weren't what I personally needed. And mm-hmm. so I think um, that's part of the reason we've been very intentional in our growth trajectory, we could be much bigger than we are. But like, where can we take the time to make sure we're doing this right? We've had 100% retention of our team over the last 18 months, which is again, really rare in our industry. But like, how can we be thoughtful and have enough time to focus on the individual and find what that person's interested in and know that it changes. Somebody who starts with us might say, hey, I'm really interested in finding opportunities to uh, teach others and and to want to grow my skill sets as a leader. Okay, like we'll find an intern we can bring in. Um, We'll find other opportunities to where you can teach others. Can we find your speaking events in the community? But a year later, they might decide, actually, I didn't like that as much as I thought (laughs) I would. And so like, this is something else I'm interested in. And then we'll find new opportunities there. Yeah. And to like have that freedom to be like, okay, maybe that isn't what I wanted. And I thought I did. I feel like a lot of times, especially when you're young in your career, you feel like you have to have an exact path. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we're all just trying to figure it out, you know? So giving them that freedom seems like a great 
great office to work in. Well, and our team's also like very empowered to ask and they're not afraid to because they know that mm. they have a big voice at Zoco. And so like I think in other places you may not say like, hey, I'm interested in learning about this even though it's not yeah. directly related to my role or I want help in this or like heck, they'll just do it. They'll find a way to change a process or something in our business yeah. and they know that they can. And that's really important to me too. And I think that's part of what enables that mindset yeah. around constantly looking for new opportunities to learn and grow. What advice would you have for a woman who maybe is in an office that's not like Zoco, yeah. where they don't have that opportunity of the person above them being like, absolutely, I would love to help um, with X, Y, Z or whatever. How would you yeah. encourage them to, to go after what they want to do or figure out what yeah. they want to do if they don't know? Yeah. Well, outside of your office, I would network with as many people in different sorts of roles as you can just to find out about what else is out there, make friends with people so they aren't giving you a sales pitch around their business, but like really truly telling you what it's like to be there. Yeah. Um, as far as how you actually can start to build that within your own career, one of the best quotes I ever heard from a speaker that just really resonated with me was, um, don't wait to be asked for a seat at the table, set the table. Mm. And I thought that was powerful because typically like... You aren't given opportunities you don't ask for. Sometimes, sometimes you're lucky and something happens. Yeah. But if you're not willing to raise your hand and say, I want this, what do I need to do to get it? And then just start taking steps and showing initiative. People are so busy in their own roles. It may not be because they don't want you to do it or because they aren't looking out for your growth. It's just because there's a lot going on, right? Yeah. And so I think where can you literally set the table for yourself and say, I want to learn more about this. Oh, there's this other role in my company that I think is really interesting. Can I start shadowing you extra time? Like I'll work extra hours. I'll do what I need to do. And I think when you show that initiative, it does. It almost never goes unnoticed. Hmm. And if it does, then you're probably in a poor culture. And if you're that type of go-getter, you should probably work for someone who appreciates it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So I want to talk about what the design field is like, especially as a founder, as yeah. a woman. What has that been like for you? Have there been any tough moments in that that stick out? <laughs> Our industry uh, is very, very friendly, I think, at least in my experiences, to women. Um, there are plenty of other women founders in the creative field. Um, that's not necessarily the case for all of our clients. We've had clients uh, that are in much more male-dominated industries. We work with a lot of technology companies. Okay. Our clients are just as probably more frequently technology and product teams than they are marketing teams. Okay, it tends to be male-dominated. So, but as far as our industry goes, it's fairly friendly because it's a pretty even split. Yeah. What has it been like being a woman founder? Like going yeah. out and meeting people and networking and. Yeah, and everything else that comes. The networking with that. part is fairly easy. Um, again, there are definitely events where I'm one of the only women there, but never been something I've been too challenged with. There have been times where I have brought my children to events that nobody else brings children to, oh or gosh, brought like I a six that. month old baby, um, and that's like kind of scary, right? Because it's like, oh, mm. like what are people thinking? This is a business event. Like, how do people look at you? But then you'll get somebody who send you a LinkedIn message afterwards. That's like, I'm so glad you did that yeah. because I feel like I can't come to any mm. of these because they're always at happy hour. And that's the only two hours a day I get to see my baby. Yeah. So like, I just don't go. I love that. That's so cool. What <laughs> made you feel like I'm going to do this? Like I'm going to yeah. pack up my baby <laughs> and take him to a happy hour. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really happen. Right. So I feel like if we want to see that change, we have to just start to deliver on it yes. and make it more normal. And then you, I've seen plenty of men that start, have started mm. to do this too, which I think makes is so great because it makes yes. it feel more, it makes it feel like more of a normal to see more people 
that are challenging that and are bringing their kids with them. And it's not appropriate for everything. Mm -hmm. So you have to be thoughtful of that and find babysitters when need be. But what makes um, you, so I want to know just for like very practical advice one day, if I'm ever a mom, (laughs) what's the like, okay, I should not take my baby to this. (laughs) Yeah. Like a black tie event may not be great. Um, but like I've been asked to uh, mentor on startup weekend before and to other things Mm -hmm. and like have had people reach out to me two years afterwards. Like, I remember you, you're the one who brought your 11 month old. And they were just <laughs> running around interacting with teams and oh my breaking the place up. But honestly, it was the only way I could have. Mm. Like, I couldn't have come unless I brought Zoe, and so she came with me. She was small enough and still able to be, like, <laughs> worn in a baby carrier yeah. that if she was rowdy or causing a bit of a ruckus, I could kind of remove her from the situation, sure. but she could still be there. It's a little harder now having a three-year-old and a two-year-old because anyone who has two and three-year-olds knows they can be unpredictable. But Don't sit still. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. When you were first starting out as a founder, what do you feel like was the biggest mistake that you made looking back on? (laughs) Gosh, which one? (laughs) Uh, I spoke for a CSCA event once on failure, and it's like, man, where do you want me to start? Um, Our company (laughs) is very successful. Our culture is very successful. But there are plenty of things you just learn as a founder and have to be resilient. Mm -hmm. I'm in a lot of CEO peer groups, some of them at different scales, much bigger businesses, smaller businesses, all women businesses, all women millennial businesses who are having new families. And that's been helpful because they um, sometimes clue me in on mistakes they've made before I make them. So I learned from them. Um, But as far as bigger mistakes that I've made, so early on in Zoco, I didn't realize the level of value we have to put on values alignment with culture when we're hiring new employees. Mm. Um, I know that sounds so obvious, but I think it becomes very hard because it's hard to know in four one-hour interviews, how much do you truly value this thing? Mm. And somebody who is a smart interviewer knows what to say (laughs) and based on your responses knows kind of what you're looking for, but like truly finding out, will you love it here? Will you want a long-term career here? If these are the six things that are core to who we are, how much do those resonate with you? Like they have to be very core to your being. And so we had made a couple of hires early on that weren't in great value alignment. And we weren't clear on that um, when they had first joined us because they were great fits in other places. And I think it's easy to get enamored by somebody's skill or talent or what they say in an interview and and think that things are going to be great. But it's, man, it's so integral. And so we had actually turned over half of our staff uh, a number of years ago, um, which was a really hard time because I'm very motivated by how the team views Zoco and views their career trajectory. And so for me personally, it was a hard time going through that, both with letting some people go that we realized weren't the right fit, Mm -hmm. um, and also then having some other people's experiences be affected by not getting the wrong people out quickly enough. But honestly, it was the best thing for the business because it became so obvious that that was very important for who we hire and how we find those people and ensure these things are aligned. We have a pretty uh, structured process for that now too. And then we also... Really, we interview our clients based on the same principles. And so we've learned that anytime we've ever had a client relationship that wasn't 100% perfect, it's typically because one of those things were off. They didn't value strategy the same level we did. They didn't want to work as collaboratively, um, what have you. And so we're also pretty cautious about that when thinking about new relationships because we want it to be a complete success on both sides. And we've just learned what the importance of that was. 
I know this kind of sounds like an obvious question because, like, the answer is going to be it's really hard. But yeah. what is it like for you when you have to make those tough decisions of, like, <laughs> letting people go or, like, those really yeah. hard decisions where you're not necessarily in a super, like, you're not excited about being right. in that position? What's that like for you? It's hard because I'm very dedicated to my team and to their career path and wanting them to be successful. So anytime that we couldn't make someone successful within the role and feel like we've given it our all on both sides, on both sides mm-hmm. to make this work out. It's really hard, which is the answer you said you're expecting. But <laughs> I think like if I can look at it in that this is not only what's right for me and what's right for Zoko, it's also right for the other person because this isn't probably the place they're going to thrive, right. do their best work, have their best career trajectory. And it's what's best for the other team members because if there's misalignment between them, they're not steering the ship in the same direction. We're not going to have the momentum that we yeah. want to. And so I think that that's probably what's best. And we've had people who have exited our business that we've helped place them in other places, whether it's okay. with clients or yeah, elsewhere, yeah, yeah. Um, because they're still really great individuals and right the right fit for someone, just not necessarily the right fit for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now that you've been the boss more or less for six years, mm-hmm. what do you feel like is your favorite part about being the boss? <laughs> I really like connecting with people and helping solve problems, whether that is with our clients or with our team, which is maybe not the traditional boss role, but in a lot of ways, like my role is still a catch-all. So if mm-hmm. something comes up, I have to help dissect it and figure out, um, you know, what is um, what's the root cause behind these symptoms of sure. what's going on. So if it's I'm having coffee with somebody for the first time that's a prospect for our business and they're telling me about some new website they want, but I'm also realizing in the course of that conversation there are probably bigger issues with achieving their true goal. They want a website because they want sales or they want recruiting or they want their customer to better understand their value proposition or what have you. But like if they're telling me things around their sales process that don't actually align or their customer success process that don't align, there might be other challenges there to resolve that a a website can solve for, but how we approach it then is different. Mm. And so I really like that uncovering piece. Um, And the same with the team, right? Like if I get to have lunch with somebody and they're telling me about something at Zoco that they want to work through or um, about their personal life, like being able to help them weed through that, ask the right questions and figure stuff out is exciting to me. Like anything that has to do with the people part of my business is the part I love most. I mean, just maybe funny because I'm in the design business, but I haven't actually, I've designed almost nothing (laughs) in the last three, four years. Um, So it's a different sort of role, but it's the one I enjoy the most, the strategy side. Yeah. On the other side of things, what is like the hardest part of being the boss? You have a lot on your plate, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to say it's sometimes lonely because I'm really close with my team, but there are just, like, so many things that you're the only one that can deal with them at Mm -hmm. certain moments, and so it's hard, and that's, again, why I surround myself with friends who are going through similar things so I can get that support. Um, That way you don't feel like you're on an island or I'm the only one that thinks this way because that can be hard, and just based on the nature of growth, you still sometimes have to do things that you don't love doing. Like I still am in the one that's giving final looks at contracts and yeah. legal and, and dealing with anything related to HR. And those aren't roles that I necessarily adore, right? We've built some great consulting partnerships with others that help support there. But until we're big enough to be able to, um, you know, bring on something more substantial related to that, that yeah. ball might still be occasionally in my court. Yeah. 
what yeah. advice do you have? I mean, I hear a lot. I wouldn't know, but like I hear a lot of people say it's lonely at the top, you know, where you're kind of just by yourself. What advice do you have for other women who are maybe in that position that feel lonely and feel like all by themselves? Like yeah. That? I mean, with our team, I'm really transparent about mm -hmm. what my personal challenges are, what my stresses are, what I'm going through. And never to the point that I vent to them because it's not appropriate right. and doesn't make them feel good or supported. But <laughs> you know, I feel like things are really rough. <laughs> no, never, never. But they yeah. definitely always know what's going on. They know the state of our business. They know our financials. Mm -hmm. They we're very transparent, um, and so that helps, right? Because it alleviates some of that pressure of being the only one who knows this information. Mm -hmm. And then outside of the team, again, just finding other people who are going through similar things. So I have a good friend um, who actually started her business the same month as mine and has been on the same career trajectory or agencies growing at a similar rate. Mm -hmm. Talking with her, talking with other women business owners who also have agencies who are a few years ahead of me and are larger and have experienced things in not too far in the past to where they could still recall it to say like, yes, this is normal. Like, don't right. stress out. This happens. Or that's not as, uh, typically, that's not as big of a deal as you think it is. That's almost <laughs> always what it is. Like, oh, you think this is bad, but it's not bad. Like, that's mm -hmm. normal. The fact that you've never had to deal with that before is actually very good. And so, like, getting that perspective is super sure. helpful. Yeah. That perfectly leads into my next question. This is my last question for you before we go to our quick answer part. What is something your team might not know about you? Because I heard a lot. Through <laughs> they the know everything. In a really great way. Yeah, I've heard a lot. That, like, they're like, Joko's like a family. Like, you guys are very close. So yeah. I'm very curious. What just might they not know about you? Gosh, I don't even know. It's like <laughs> to the point where, you know, like even just going to a conference in Chicago together, you spend <laughs> five days straight, 24 hours a day in a house with people occasionally going out and drinking. Um, and you like, you just tend to learn a lot. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time together. Um, so I, maybe some of the newest people on my team don't know something, I don't know what, about me, but we have pretty like intimate conversations that, to be honest, are probably not HR kosher, but <laughs> we talk about a little bit of everything. Well, now we're going to go to our last part. So I'm going to ask you just a couple quick questions and just tell me whatever first comes to, your, comes to mind. What do you think is the biggest myth about being a female executive? That you can't do it if you have a family, especially a young family. Mm. Can you yeah. like explain how you've kind of <laughs> dealt with that? Yeah. Um, it's harder, right? It's definitely harder, but I don't think it's a trade-off you have to make. Mm. I never, um, I'm very thoughtful about not taking time away from my kids related to work. I'll in intentionally only take a couple of events after work per month that are in that six to eight o'clock hour. Okay. And then everything else has to get deprioritized. Hmm. Um but what's hard is if I'm not if I'm going to work a 70-hour week and I'm not going to take any evenings, dinner times away from them and no weekend time, like where does that time come from, mm. right? So it typically comes from a place that's not always great for my health. Yeah. Um, but like then you just have to be thoughtful with where you ask for help, how you hire people. Don't try and take it on all yourself. Like you have a team that loves you and that you can delegate to. Um, and that's not my natural tendency. So yeah. it's been like a hard Most learning women's curve. natural tendency is not that, right? <laughs> right. But I think too, like just being open with your team and with others around like where you need help or like even just being transparent that like, yeah, guys, like I have worked until midnight almost yeah. every night this week. If you have a good team, they'll typically say like, okay, let's talk through it. Yeah. What did, what were you working on? I will take that off your plate. I understand it's going to take you a little time to coach me on how to do that, but let's start that process yeah. now. So the next time you have to do it, like I can help support in that. 
And so I think like asking for help and then know, like surrounding yourself with other people who are going through it um, is the the piece that's been helpful to me. Because having very young kids um, and running a business, growing a business is is hard, but it's definitely not impossible. You don't have to make hard lines in the sand to say, I'm either a great mom or a great business owner. You can be both. I love that. That's awesome. What did you want to be when you grew up? (laughs) When I was a little, little kid? I don't know. I probably changed every week. I don't remember having (laughs) a specific (laughs) dream, right? Yeah. My husband always wanted to be a dentist right until he got into college and then decided to be a wrestling coach for a number of years instead. (laughs) Very different. Yeah. I don't know. Did you know like as an adolescent, like maybe middle school or high school or something? I did not. Yeah. So when I started at Ohio State... I thought maybe I would want to be in physical training or that I would want to be in design. But I knew it was a bit of a risk going into design at Ohio State because their program only takes 18 kids a year. Wow. Um, and they have a great number of applicants. But if you don't get in it, you just don't get in it. Yeah. Um, and so that felt like a, a big risk mm. to say. And so I felt like I needed to have a backup plan, which is where PT came from. And I would have hated it, so I'm so glad I didn't do it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I knew I loved creating things. I love the art side of design and I really liked the problem solving and Ohio State's known for that, for having a more research heavy approach to design than um, just a more visual Mm -hmm. approach. And so I was so interested in the program um, and managed to make it work and get in my first year. Yeah, I didn't have a strong backup though, so I'm (laughs) glad it worked out. Uh, How do you feel when people classify you as a female founder rather than just founder of Zoka? Or do you get that a lot? I mean, I do. If you're going to get a benefit from somewhere by having that be attributed to you, then take the benefit and be okay with it. I mean, there are plenty of hard moments, right? Like our office is right above Stoff's um, coffee shop on Grandview Avenue. And I bring my dog into work every day. He's come to every job with me for 10 years. That's awesome. Um, But like there are times that I'm walking up and leaving the office with him. Somebody sitting outside of Stoff's will be like, oh my gosh, your boss lets you bring your dog to work? That's so great. And I'm like, yeah, it is great. And then he'll, <laughs> like, the person will say, like, oh, he must be such a great guy. And it's like, oh. Oh my gosh. Like, that's so cringy. But yeah. at the same point, like, what's the point of having that conversation, right? Like, that's just not energy mm-hmm. I need to spend. So, yeah, there are moments where it's, like, being classified as being, like, oh, so successful for a female founder versus mm-hmm. just so successful yeah. is hard. But if it ever gives a, a benefit in any way, you might as well take it because yeah. there's plenty of challenges and being a business owner so I would like totally just be like well actually I'm the boss and, like I would waste my energy it depends on, on my mood right <laughs> depends on my mood yeah <laughs> what do you know now that you wish you knew at the beginning of starting SoCo to not be hard is hard on myself uh it's just like a natural tendency and I think it's what makes us um what helps make my role successful is that I have pretty high standards for myself But at the same point, like there's no sense dwelling on if something didn't go exactly right. Like you just need to learn from it. You only have so much that's in your control, right? Like how somebody speaks to you or how a client views you or how a client views you if you're pregnant. Like you only have so much in your control. And so what can you do to mitigate those things? And um, what not do people be do stressed. When you're pregnant? Like, what do people say? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, it depends. Some people are great, but I think there's a little bit of natural bias towards, yeah. you know, like, can you still do a job if you're carrying a baby or can you do it at the same level or, mm-hmm. or will my project not go as well if we engage with you? And it's like, well, I don't even do any of the work. Right. <laughs> so like after, um, well, that's not true, but like after we kick off a new relationship right. and the strategy set, I'm not typically engaged in the work anymore. So 
But in those cases, it's like, well, where do I bring my team to the forefront? Where do I make sure you're um, building as strong of a connection with my team as you are with me? And if you're having doubts or anxiety that, oh, Lacey's not going to be part of my project because she's expecting and she'll be out, I can solve that in other ways. I shouldn't just be mad that you feel that way about me mm-hmm. and me being out. That's not within my control. And that's something that you think or you feel, whether you know it or not, intentional or not, it's a bias. And so I can still do something about that by helping you learn more about my business, about how the team actually interacts and will engage with you, having you form relationships with them. And I think that's been integral for our business is like not being hard on myself, not getting mad about the things I can't control. Yeah. Just thinking like, what can you do about it? How can you resolve it? Yeah, that's great. All right, my last question for you. Who is your biggest role model or mentor? Yeah, so it's a hard one. And you told me you were going to ask me this question <laughs> because I have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so um, so Becca from Tree Tree is a really good friend of mine. She's also an agency owner. They just celebrated their 10th year, Go okay, Tree Tree. Yeah. Um, but she's been a good friend since the beginning and helping coach me and think through my challenges and, and feel like a peer and really be there for me. And it's like Columbus's environment is so great because we've competed on bids before. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many times, not frequently, but we have. But like we're both so intimate and open about what's going on with our business and where are our challenges and don't really hold anything back. And that's been so helpful. Um, have lots of other great friendships with other women business owners. Like I had mentioned, Kate from Bell Communication has been a great friend to me. She started a um, lady boss society of other millennial women business owners that we meet together and talk about what we're going through. Um, Heather from Gebbin has been a good friend and a good resource. Um, I've been in a Vistage group um, for two and a half years, R.D. Isaacs group um, with other uh, key executives who are going through different challenges and completely different businesses, not all service related, not all agencies, but so honestly, like I get a lot of mentorship from the community mm-hmm. as a whole. So I wouldn't necessarily say like there's one person sure. specifically, but there's lots of people who have helped me so much and been so supportive. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Well, Lacey, thank you so much for coming here today. We really appreciate you chatting. Thanks, Emily. I appreciate it.